You're listening to Raising Anchor, a Rhode Island FC podcast. We're glad you're here. Hello and welcome to Raising Anchor, your podcast and source for all things Rhode Island FC. I'm your host, Matt Etchikin, coming to you on Thursday, February 15th. We'll be covering renewed Open Cup drama and in-depth conversation with Breeze Airways that gives fans a first glimpse of what to expect from one of the club's biggest anchor partners. We've also got some game coverage updates following Rhode Island FC's 1-0 win over the New England Revolution 2. The first ever match is just 30 days away. But has it been enough time to debate that and who is most likely the best EAFC gamer amongst the team is my co-host Jason Carey. Jason, how is it going? Usually when we play EAFC or formerly known as FIFA, whatever year it is, um, we generally play co-op. But we did play each other one time. Pretty sure you beat me. It was close, but like 1-0 loss maybe. I imagine that there may have been alcohol involved in that. Uh, I've watched your abilities. <laughs> Your technical abilities are much better than mine, so it was definitely not a scientific review. We'd have to at least do it two or three more times to really find out who's the who's the true gamer champion when it comes to FIFA slash EAFC. But more to the point, who do we think is the best gamer on Rhode Island FC squad? I don't know. I don't know the voice too well. I don't know who. Uh, maybe some of the younger guys. I mean, they're I mean, all, all kind of young. younger than you. <laughs> yeah, I. I honestly don't know. Take a guess. Take a stab. I'll see. I know because I know the answer. Oh, you do? I know Um, the answer. This is what Raising Thompson. Okay. Well, that wasn't right. Although maybe maybe he just hasn't shown up yet. But this is what Raising Anchor does. We go and bring the important facts and details to the listeners. So, but but word on the street is it's it's Frank. It's Frank Nardase. So I I don't know if I've just put a target on his back and everyone's (laughs) gonna have to step up. But uh, allegedly he uh, he brings the heat in the AFC. So. Okay. But we've got a ton of stuff to cover today. Uh, and I think I need to start with just an important milestone. We we hit over 10. And by the way, not only did we hit 10,000 listens, but we went way over that before I actually checked. The The reminder did go out, but I didn't because, you know, we, we talked on an earlier episode. I don't check that email as well as I should. But we've already cleared 10,000 listens in less than 30 episodes. I mean, we are now at episode 30 today. Do you remember when we joked that we thought we'd get 100 by episode 30? <laughs> I mean, maybe a little bit bigger than that, but we definitely did not expect the reception that we've been getting. Yeah, no, it's it's been incredible. I, I can't thank the listeners uh, enough. Um, it's been such a journey so far, and, and to kind of just see your support both in the ratings, the engagement online, and then, of course, just with your listens itself, uh, it it just really motivates and fuels this. We were at the uh, Bayern Leverkusen Bayern Munich game on Saturday with Defiance and the club itself, and we were just you know going around during the halftime break and and introducing ourselves. Several people had said, "Oh yeah, we we very much know who you are." We didn't know you look like that, so I don't know <laughs> if that was an insult or a compliment. Got a face for radio, <laughs> <laughs> but they uh, they said, "Yeah, we were actually having a discussion about." you last night and i said oh what was it they got distracted with something else before they could answer that so i don't know if that was an additional insult or compliment on its way i'm going to take it as a compliment because soccer fans are always pleasant amongst each other but the the supporter group for bayern munich 
the German American Culture Society, Rhode Island. That whole that whole place was incredible. I can't wait to go back. We I've been before, but I've never been to the the Ratskeller underneath, and it was just a phenomenal experience. I that that's what I'm missing is watching soccer super early in the morning, not you know in my pajamas on the big screen in my basement. Like I I really want to get back to going out and finding a public excuse to have a beverage before you know noon time which is may or maybe not acceptable by society standards these days i'm not really sure yeah it was definitely a great time i was kind of hoping that they had some bratwurst but i guess it's understandable like even the back staff everyone was just watching the game <laughs> no one had time to be cooking anything i mean someone brought chili though like full credit you know i don't know if that was just hormel chili in a can you know on a slow burner but like there was food there and and I was definitely appreciative of that because I went there with an empty stomach thinking I was going to get brought. So I, I left happy, but great time. And again, even if you don't follow the Bundesliga, if you just want to watch soccer and meet some really great people, it's a great group of individuals that are doing a really important thing to the for the community and uh, for the sport. So highly encourage. And if you have a team that is somewhere else in you know professional soccer, whether it's EPL or something else, there are a ton of supporter groups. So if you're just kind of starting to catch the bug of soccer and you want to watch it beyond Rhode Island FC or the USL or even the MLS, there's there's a bunch of other ways to watch your your passionate team or, or whatever you like to follow. Just reach out. And if you don't know those things already, I'm sure there's plenty of people who can offer support or, or get you in the, in the place you need to, to watch those games. But on top of our over 10,000 listens, we also had another milestone last week, our podcast or at least this time me, sorry, you you didn't get to come along for this one, but we were able to go on another podcast. So instead of us interviewing each other or interviewing one of the members of the club, I got interviewed. I got, I got, I got the, I got put through the ringer. <laughs> Crossover. Yeah. Greg, Greg, uh, I, I almost want to say his name poor, like incorrectly because he said my name incorrectly. And so I feel like that's tit for tat. Um, so Greg, Johnston, I think that's the best way. His name is so easy to pronounce. But Greg from the Revolution Recap uh, hosted myself and Irvin from the Defiance, and we were able to talk shop about Rhode Island FC, which I think was a really gracious thing for Greg to do. He's been doing this for I think at least seven years. He's one of the top three MLS-based podcasters, in my opinion, and I think also in the way the stats show up. And for him to invite us on to the podcast and be able to talk about a club that he does not, I mean, it's in his greater purview, but uh, he's very much a New England Revolution focused podcast, allowing us to be on there. That was, it was such an honor and it was really great to talk shop. And, you know, I don't know if there's going to be another opportunity, maybe the Open Cup, which segue here in a second. Just really excited that we got to talk with him and uh, kind of just give a little bit more lens to what the club with the supporters group and what we as podcasters are doing for uh, for the Rhode Island community. I don't think we could do it for every team we face, but you know, maybe some of the New England uh, based podcast slash teams when we face them occasionally, we can uh, do some sort of crossover where we reach out. Yeah, I mean, I can tease the listeners. We will be sharing some airspace with the Somos Moss group, which cover New Mexico United. So anticipate a crossover episode between each other's platforms pretty quick and close uh, up to the inaugural match and then i've already been in discussion with one of the beat writers who is also a broadcaster uh who covers hartford athletic and he is a really stand-up gentleman and so i anticipate we'll have him on to talk about those derby games and you know hopefully it doesn't come down to 
accusatory name calling and 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 you know poking the bear there so um but expect that and then uh we definitely will be on a couple of other podcasts we've been invited to but the timing hasn't really worked out so more to come on that but let's get into news you ready to do some news let's do it hey you don't by any chance have like 200 dollars just laying around do you i mean in this economy So uh, I only tease that because I stepped into a firefight this this morning. Um, I saw a post from a Revolution fan about the Revs kit costing two hundred dollars, and I had I was blown away. The last MLS kit I bought was on clearance because it was two seasons removed in their bargain like closet online in a, in a website you have to know the URL to because it never gets shared. And I, I bought it for like forty five bucks as an authentic. $200 now for an MLS kit and it's not that it was revolution based and, and there were so many revolution fans that started arguing like why are we comparing ourselves and it's like no I, I never even said the revolution in the post it it's MLS that this is a because st- it's a single single entity uh, league this is $200 now for for kits is this an effect of messy or is this an effect of inflation? Like, what is going? Do you have you ever seen a two hundred dollar kit that wasn't like a limited edition Copa Centario kind of kit? Not that I can think of. I mean, I feel like you can get a Premier League team kit with the like all the crests and whatnot and the names and everything for like one fifty. And and these are, by the way, to that point, I don't even know if these are the full like with all the livery, with all the like you know the name and the number. That could just be like the baseline authentic kits. That's that's that is criminal. Yeah, I don't know what's going on here. That's like a little out of control. <laughs> and the weirdest part was, you know, that I made the comparison. I just said, I'm really glad our club is reasonable with their pricing strategy. And I also thought then that the kit is a thousand times cooler than the majority. Again, I did not call it out to the revs. I think that our kits have more distinction and more uniqueness to them than the likes of I think I saw the Yeti Austin FC kit. It it's it's just a white and green kit that says Yeti and has the... There's nothing else to it. It was the most boring thing I've ever seen. Yeah, I don't remember if we brought it up or not, but a lot of the MLS kits got leaked, what, a week or two ago? Yeah, we, we covered of, that a little bit. Okay. I honestly wasn't impressed with that many of them. They, they're kind of kind of basic. Yeah, I think I think only Real Salt Lake really kind of told me, like, wow, that's a... They, went, they got a little braver with that. And so I say all that because... I was going to start this episode talking about how we reached out to the production company that's in charge of all the shipping and distribution for the road kits, because for those that haven't been paying attention, those kits are supposed to start shipping tomorrow. I did talk to the club this afternoon. They said they are still waiting for their own shipment to show up because they have some important stuff that they need to get prepped and planned. You know, I'm assuming it's for like the game day packages and and all of that stuff. So they are also waiting for their their kits to show up i'm assuming they they'll be getting them tomorrow but for all intent we should be anticipating that you know people living in the immediate area so for those of you that live a little bit further out that have ordered it might take a day or two but we should be rocking some beautiful amber colored kits here in the next four to five days i'm excited yeah when the spring of deception comes out we can rock those for a few days <laughs> and then also too really important because i think we teased about it when uh we had joked about when these road kits would start showing up we did confirm with the club that if you bought merch in tandem with those purchases and you've been like where is that other thing i ordered those are shipping in conjunction with the kits being out so you'll get your kit and anything else that you ordered at the time 
I already forgot what we ordered. I, I know it was one thing for sure. I think we ordered your wife a beanie. Yeah. Yeah. So like we, I need to go back and check the invoice to make sure everything shows up. Not that I don't trust Rhode Island FC, but I just want to, it's, it's been like 60 to 90 days, like mistakes can happen. So, <laughs> and knowing our luck with, with shipping and delivery on stuff, I just, I want to take no chances at this point. Yeah. With our luck, it'll end up in the oceans. <laughs> uh, so let's move on, but we've got some sellouts. So the games themselves are not sold out in their entirety yet. But we have been able to confirm that Rhode Island FC has already sold out two sections of the opening inaugural match. So section 7 and 19 are already completely sold out. And I looked online in the portal and there's maybe like two to three seats in certain areas sporadically peppered through some of the other sections. So I think they're on the verge of five or six other sections selling out. What surprised me though was when you looked in some of the sections, there was only one seat available. So that meant like if it was a row of six, three people bought on one side, two people bought on one side, and it's like in the middle by themselves. So I don't know how you sell that ticket. I think if it comes down to their one to three seats short for uh, for the opening sellout, I'm going to I'm just going to go buy those tickets and (laughs) then just like pop in for a second say hi and be like shame on these two rows and you know what you did at the time like that's when you go to a movie theater and the ones nowadays where you select your seats and you choose to sit right next to someone it's the complete opposite of that right it's like why did you leave a space come on you're better than that you knew what you were doing yeah i mean if there's just one or two someone will just buy them give them someone (laughs) hey are you by yourself cool go be by yourself at a rhode island fc game I love it. Um, but on then on that note, we do anticipate we'll be having a conversation with ticketing director Brian Kim in the near future. And by near future, I mean in the next week or two, uh, because we are less than, we're 30 days, technically less than when the listeners listen to this, right? But Brian will be sharing kind of what that ticketing strategy has looked like, what to expect around some of the themes that will be coming for the you know themed events and the theme weeks. Do you think dollar beer or $2 beer or dollar hot? Do you think that's that's something we're going to do? A lot of other USL clubs do it. We have not approached it. Are we going to get that as a theme night? I'm not sure if that is a, a theme per se. You're telling me budget <laughs> isn't a theme? I think that's a perfect theme for life. A Wednesday game, attract people out. El Paso Locomotive, watch out. Train gang is going to have a beer <laughs> night. Wednesday game, $2 beers? I mean, I'm down. I mean, that's probably why the club didn't do a lot of Wednesday games. Financially, they can't sustain that for more than one or two. So They'll never recover. <laughs> but uh, so again, we say all this because if you still haven't bought your tickets, it's selling out fast. And now in some sections, there's just one seat available. So if you wanted to go with your best friend, you, you can't do that anymore. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, you can, but you can't go to those sections where the tickets might be favorable. So go buy your tickets and uh, stop waiting around. But now we need to jump into the biggest thing because this is the most important topic that I need to cover for the night. Yeah, we got to bring back up the Open Cup. Jason, I was right. I mean, I was, I don't get to say that often in my life, but I was, I was so right. How many times have you, you've known me for a long time. How many times have I been, have I been right? Occasionally. See, that's not even a number, but <laughs> it's, it's accurate. So for those of you for the backstory, I reached out on, we discussed this on a previous episode but I reached out to the Open Cup and the USSF uh, Twitter handles to ask about what the status of MLS sanctioning and participation in the Open Cup was. And they gave me a really short answer about their back. Stop making this a big deal. It's not a big deal. And I specifically said, in my job, I deal with this all the time in my, in my 9 to 5, in my non-podcasting uh, world, 
the the statement written by MLS was so vague, was so generalized that it did not have clear and concise language that would accurately explain what their next steps were. And that felt super intentional. And the Open Cup team said, you're crazy. Well, I'm not crazy, okay? I'm taking the tinfoil hat off. I'm spot on here. MLS has gone back to the U.S. Soccer Federation. They've gone back to the Open Cup, and they're, they're pulling like a Doctor Strange, they want a bargain kind of moment. And and right now, everything is back in flux. So everything that Open Cup has been saying since January that MLS is back, well, they're not. And we don't know what those next steps will be. Right now, MLS is trying to negotiate multiple layers of how they may return to the Open Cup. So they've asked for letting any clubs participating in Champions Cup play to just be omitted because of the number of games per volume. They've reintroduced this idea that they can let anyone in any of their development rosters, aka MLS Next Pro, just play through the season or the through the senior team moniker, if you will. So you would just see those people come up. They've asked also if they could just reduce the number of teams, which was interesting because I didn't know that in the history of MLS's participation, and this is what kind of like started us down this this rabbit hole, I didn't realize that MLS only played about half of their teams in the early days of the league. Did you know that? No, I actually missed that too. Um, from what, like 95 to 2011, they were only playing about half. It wasn't until, what, 2015, 2016, that when the rules were rewritten, they were required to have everyone play. Yeah, so after you're spot on, after 2011, if they had a developmental side, they could bring that group up to play on their behalf. But if they didn't, it was still no big deal. And then in in that 2015 to 2017 era, suddenly the uh, PLS, which is what stand, it's what evaluates the league sanctioning of the divisional status. So whether you're Division One or Division Two suddenly they brought that back up as a requirement to participate in the Open Cup. And people are speculating and investigating that the reason that happened was in a way to push back against Nassau's challenge for Division One sanctioning because they believed that they had been robbed from of that from MLS because they were the quote-unquote original D1 sanctioned league back in the, the 70s and the 80s. And so if that's the case, that Open Cup was wielded as this sort of weapon to ostracize the NASL, which then effectively killed that league and gave USL its spot as the number two by itself. And it kind of left MLS in the state of flux where they said, well, now we all have to participate at all times. It's just, it's not what I thought it was. I thought there was this this simple, clean and clear path to like the expectations of participating. And that's not the case anymore. So all of this being said, the only thing we know for sure now is that everything that we thought is in flux. There is no guarantee that MLS will be participating at a level of expectation that we thought it would be. And if they do get this particular piece passed about clubs being in the Champions League playing, well, guess what team that omits from our participation around us? That's the revolution because they're in by that weird knockout situation that happened last year um with the with with mls so the revs are in that right now that means they wouldn't show up for open cup which we wouldn't see and we would we would again potentially be one of the top uh teams from a divisional perspective on the pitch which means the only other rival we would have in that capacity is hartford so it it's very interesting it 
I don't know how this will play out yet, but I'm just disappointed that Open Cup kind of said, oh, no, 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 we told MLS, we put them in their place. U.S. soccer has our back. And now suddenly U.S. soccer is like, eh, maybe we lied to you a little bit. I would like everything to go back to, you know, all first division teams are required to play and so on and so forth, you know, throughout the leagues. Realistically, though, I think that, unfortunately, USSF is going to to bend the knee a bit and give some provisions. I don't think that we will see no MLS sides. I mean, at least in the coming year, I don't know. But long-term solution, I think there will be some involvement. But I think, unfortunately, MLS has maybe gotten a little big in the sense that USSF is not going to just, you know, say, hey, we're pulling your Division One sanction because you are not sending the teams. I, th- I think, unfortunately, they're going to back down on that a bit. I just don't know what the what the route is. Um, do you have a, a preference in what you would like to see, assuming that we have to make some sort of concessions? The problem, I, I don't mind concessions. The issue becomes, when do the concessions stop? I feel like knowing what this league wants and how they want to emulate an independent system separated from USSF, and they want to be more like NFL or MLB, I feel that when you start capitulating and giving Don Garber what he wants, he will not stop. Because once you take a few teams out, it's it's kind of just like, well, you've you've destroyed the integrity of the mechanics, so I guess you don't need MLS uh, squad caliber teams in this competition. So that's my worry. It's not, you know, can we be selective on which teams participate and which don't? You know, I, I go back to the idea that when we've talked to players and clubs Nobody wants this except for Don Garber and the owners, right? Every every squad is they are excited to show up and compete for this. And if the team has to play their juniors or their development academy players, then fine. I think that's the only concession I would want to make is this: like, hey, okay, you you can't put on the senior team, then then play the academy, but but you're doing it under the branding that it's the senior team, like. You're giving them those minutes. Maybe it's a temporary 30-day contract so that they can they can say that they were an official player. Maybe it's like a win-win across the board. But that's the only way I see this working. If you start deciding who and who doesn't play by year, there, I'm sure there's going to be something somewhere where they win, I don't know, Champions Cup, and then they win Leagues Cup, and then they... like I, You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm sure some other mechanic would show up and, and derail any customization outside of that i think that i I would be okay with maybe some sort of rule where you allow those sort of 30-day contracts where you are sending out your first team maybe allow it to say hey up to like half of the team can just be your like you know number two squad to a certain extent my worry like you said too is if we give them what they want they're going to keep demanding more and more and more I'd almost wonder at some point, you know, if they, if MLS keeps getting what they want along with the owners and Don Garber, like they would turn this into a league that's not really what soccer is about. I almost wonder, like, would FIFA at some point step in and be like, I don't know what you guys are doing over there, but we're not officially recognizing (laughs) you guys. Probably wouldn't happen, but, you know, if they keep changing the way the rules work in the system, it would not be what I think soccer fans want. It would be some other sort of weird version of, you know, soccer. I, I think the other thing that needs to be said is 
I don't know if you saw it in, in the article that was shared about the recent voting systems, but did you see that MLS has a collective combined number of vote votes that they can exercise that's greater than the rest of the division participants combined? So I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but if you say there's, you know, there's division two and then there's maybe six or seven variations of division three. So if, if each of them just has one, right? So that's eight total votes. MLS has 10. So just like the topsy turviness. And I don't know if that's by design for divisional purposes and why it's so important for clubs to get or for leagues to get the, the division that they're trying to lock in. But right now, MLS gets to dominate voting decisions anyways. So it's almost, I didn't realize it's basically they can still do whatever they want because they have the authority to do so. And in my opinion, back to what you said about like what USSF needs to do, if they're that concerned with, you know, the democracy of, of voting and soccer growth in our country as a whole, it has to expand beyond one league getting to decide every single thing. And especially considering MLS has separated themselves for almost 10 years now and saying our responsibility is to the league and not to develop, you know, youth prospects and, you know, USMNT products. Like that's only a thing that generates additional revenue because they have a player that they can say, oh, this is, this is a World Cup player for you. So that's exciting. We have this American here. Other than that, though, they don't, they don't, MLS doesn't prioritize that anymore. Yeah, and the difference too is we don't have promotion relegation. Yet. You know, in in England, I don't think we'll we'll see what we want here. But in England, the Premier League gets away with certain things because all of the leagues feed into them. You know, and a lot of those clubs will think, "Well, I could be part of that league one day." Whereas here, you have MLS just, you know, a closed system making the decisions for what they want that it may actually affect a lot of other soccer in America because no one else gets to be a part of that. Isn't it the American dream to see something and say, I can go out and get that. And so isn't pro rel like the most American dream and it's the least likely system to ever be introduced <laughs> into sports. I'm I just, yeah, no, it, it definitely is a very like American dream type thing. Like, Hey, I can start off in my local field find some dudes, we, pull make up our soccer, bootstraps. We, we pull up our bootstraps, make a soccer team, and then just beat our way to the top. And then just have my dad, who has oil money, invest in my team, <laughs> and suddenly I'm there. Perfect. God and bless America. pull up the ladder behind you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's enough about Open Cup. I just, it's frustrating because, you know, earlier in the year we thought, again, that this was something that was done and dusted. I will say though, then this also brings back the question I was asking earlier before I had to shut it down. If there is no MLS squad in the Northeast region, when it comes to open cup, how deep of a run do you think we could actually make? Do you think we could still win the open cup then knowing that we would at a minimum, if John gets his limited version, we would face a club potentially somewhere down the road, but it wouldn't be till fourth or fifth seed. What is, what, how, does, how are you thinking differently now? Like, could we make a deep, deep open cup play? I think so. Um, part of that, too, would be also depending on how coach prioritizes it. If their team is struggling in the league, he might want to focus his priorities on, on the league. And then in the 
in the cup, maybe rotate some guys who need some minutes, but you know are not are not starters. Yeah, but isn't that too early in the season to make that priority decision? Because if I remember right, a majority of the knockout games are completed by June, and then there's this like two month hiatus, and then it gets to the final rounds, and and then they kind of like on they the dominoes start to fall week or every other week after and and it's basically but there's like we'd know by may if we could prioritize that or should so that's what eight games into the season i i don't know like is that i i don't i don't know i don't always remember the um you don't prioritize the open cup in your life (laughs) (laughs) i love the open cup i just i couldn't tell you like the schedule like a sister you love it like a sister i got it okay (laughs) i understand um well listen trouble's back on that's all i'm saying so get the get the shirt ready the trouble's back on we have to get on to this other news i don't want to i really don't want to talk i'm actually angry at you i wasn't going to add this and then you brought this up so you're going to get to run listeners through this so anyone that that says why is why why are matt and jason going over this please direct your ire and your hate towards jason right now because he's the one that thought it was important that we we share this again so I Go for it. I didn't insist on it. I just you demanded. <laughs> I brought it up. I thought maybe we would could talk about it. I didn't want to either. And yet here we are. Yeah, guess what, guys? New stadium article dropped. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's not anything really new. I think from the article you could tell like this is what from Bloomberg. Well, so the Bloom Bloomberg was what shared the data on what was built into like the package layer of the loan, but it was oh, Yahoo, yeah, it was Yahoo who came out of nowhere swinging on a on a hit piece that, I mean, I don't remember the last time I read a Yahoo. I I didn't even know Yahoo was hey, listeners. When was the last time you Yahoo searched anything? <laughs> I want to know. I want to know the year. Throw that in the throw that in the chat. I want to know when was the last time you used Yahoo in an email form or a search engine. Because I, I, I didn't know that company was Do you was think around. some of our Gen Z listeners even know what Yahoo is? It's like MapQuest, Yahoo, AOL. Like, it's all, it, come on. It's done. It's done. Put it to bed. Yeah, ancient relic of the old internet. But basically what's coming down is they're talking about the actual financing of the stadium, not, you know, warmongering about it not being done and such. What it's summarizing is that it's not great for taxpayers um, in terms of like it wasn't a great interest rate. That being said, you know, 30 years, most likely the the deal will be refinanced. Yeah, like anyone that's bought a house in the last five years, or I guess two years has been when it got really bad, but no one's going to sit here like, oh, I'm, I'm going to live here with a 9% interest rate for the next 30 years of my mortgage. No, you're going to watch the system. You're going to watch the market. And the second it dips, at whatever level you're comfortable, you're going to go back in and and refinance under that lower rate. the The state will do this, or the city will do the exact same thing as soon as the as as soon as the mechanisms make sense to pull and engage. Like it's it's insane to think that we don't have financial stewards. And we covered this in the Pawtucket interview, where they said like we took this city from the brink and we we brought them into one of the most profitable cities in the state of Rhode Island. You really think the guys and gals that had to figure that problem out then went and destroyed it all over a, a bet on professional soccer? That's insane. It's it's insanity. I, at this point, I just think people have some sort of vendetta against soccer. 
maybe. That's why they keep writing these articles about it. So Yahoo is anti-soccer? Potentially. I mean, I believe it. I'm actually going to go look at how many soccer articles they actually write about you know, the sport. <laughs> but basically it's coming out to $5 million a year in terms of state budget. Um, and what I looked up for 2023, the state budget was $13.6 billion. With a B. So, you know, I mean, million is still a lot of money to to a lot of us. But, you know, out of $13.6 billion, it's not a lot. Um, so It's like, what, like 1% or less than? Like less than 1%. Yeah. I mean, and, and again, that's at the current rates. I if If this remains as it is, then yes, it will not be great. If they had done all of this, you know, three years ago when the the pandemic hadn't disrupted everything, this would have been half of that rate. The construction costs would have been half of that rate. This is just the society that we're, we're, that the cards have been dealt to and we're just trying to get through it. So by no means is there any, you know, fiduciary irresponsibility here. I, I just know that the club is tired of talking about it. They probably don't even want to hear us talking about it. So, you know, the most important thing to say is that it's still, regardless of the opinion of this, it's still been done. We're moving forward you know, no matter what. And, and we just have to be on board with that. I do want to ask you, though, a question because I thought it was interesting. They brought up Phoenix Rising. And I don't know if they brought that up because it's Brett Johnson's, uh, one of his other uh, investments, or if they were using it as a comparison. But I saw the numbers in there and they were comparing that Phoenix has like an average of like 7,400 attendees to their 10,000 person stadium. And then they were trying to compare it specifically to Providence, which I thought was the biggest disrespect. They, they compared Phoenix's population to Providence's not realizing that the stadium is in Pawtucket. So like that's the first major insult, but then also not understanding that like nobody, nobody counts city populations outside of like the U S census because they need to know how to like disperse resources it's always like we we're so tiny we can we call it out at the state level and i know that phoenix is still bigger in population cap than the state so i was just kind of curious you you lived in phoenix for a brief period of time one did you ever go to a rising game uh, unfortunately i never made it so out that's why they never had a full stadium okay but second i mean it when i when i lived there a lot the majority of the time it was during COVID. <laughs> okay but so that being said like is the comparison to phoenix fair absolutely not it's such a different city like it's it's spend more time in traffic in phoenix than i could probably drive across the entire state here <laughs> and this is from a guy who uses the washington bridge twice a day so there you yeah, go yeah and the thing too is the stadium um is like on the outskirts of the city it's not in phoenix it's about 25 to 30 minutes south kind of on the the edge of the um, metropolitan area when I left, they were planning to move it downtown nearby the the airport. I just don't, I didn't check back up on that to see if that got moved or not. But it, they were playing at an Indian casino that was, you know, 30 minutes removed from the city. Yeah. So I just, I thought it was, I thought it was very interesting that Yahoo chose to compare us to that. So it just, you know, again, just add Yahoo to the, the, the propaganda side of things, you know, just on the hip piece side. Or just the list of sites that like why does this matter still (laughs) long story short listeners there's nothing to be worried about here there's no panic button to hit don't let this affect uh the the stadium development don't let this affect 
your experience and your enjoyment at Bryant for the first season. It's just it's just a moment in time. We've got one month to go, and I, I think stories like this will just get forgotten about. Oh, I think they're going to keep coming until the stadium's done. I honest to God think that. Because like in, I that, guess. in that same article, not to rehash this, but in that same article they said people that go to games don't buy anything like there's no there was a there was an economist that was quoted for that saying oh like people that go to games they don't spend any money anywhere else around the area and i we were season ticket members for what eight years and oh, we would i would eat, eat everywhere every, i would eat there like before and after sometimes. yeah like i <laughs> i don't know what they're talking about like i had to put a drink limit on myself not because of alcohol but because it was cost cost <laughs> One of the, you know, we'll talk about the, the fan, um, the fan, uh, council, but I wanted to get on the fan council of my club because I needed to negotiate a cheaper beer option. Just one cart somewhere in the stadium that had like less than double digit numbers on pricing for that. So like, don't tell me that people don't spend money. When I went to the Hartford athletic game earlier this year that you ditched out on me, I went to two breweries that were right next to the stadium and spent like $30 on beer in enemy territory. So like I didn't have to do that. I could have been like, oh, I'm going to stand up against Hartford and I'm going to, you know, boycott any financial transactions. <laughs> no, that's, that's insane. And for what I've seen and what we've shared with Tidewater, people are going to spend money. Maybe not at Bryant because those options may be severely limited outside yeah, of, you know, if you don't like be different. Right. But when all the other amenities are built around the stadium, like that's insane. That it's just insane to say that those two things don't correlate back to like now maybe taxpayer dollar wise, depending on the businesses that open up, I could see that argument. But don't say the businesses wouldn't take advantage of a full stadium um, in their in their immediate area in a downtown uh, proximity. That's that's insane. Yeah, just to wrap it up, it it, it sounds like this was some sort of economist who had no idea anything about the sport or you know how any of this works so he was just crunching numbers yeah, i think he was from kentucky I, I don't have the article in front of me so maybe we just have to explore kentucky's hate of uh, of soccer so if that wasn't enough to talk about we do have something else that we've been wanting to share uh with with listeners and that is we had a chance to sit down with breeze airways uh, a week or two ago and discuss some really fascinating information and tidbits about what the airline carrier is doing for the club what it's doing in the region and what fans can kind of expect from the airline in the you know months to come so the audio for it was not something that was recordable so unfortunately i don't this is going to be paraphrasing for this particular part but i did want to highlight some of the the call outs from the airline group and kind of just break that down for listeners so one and, and the, probably the biggest thing is, you know, we, we sat down and spent a lot of time talking about like why they chose to be the sponsor for Rhode Island FC. And I didn't know this, but Providence is actually one of their largest hubs. And it's kind of the one that they're focused the most on right now because it's showing the best growth when it comes to uh, putting people in airplanes and sending them to other destinations. They're very much a secondary and tertiary market provider. We've talked about this. They consider themselves uh, kind of just that more local boots on the ground type of airline that is serving those those more isolated areas. And so for them, with Providence being one of the main focal points that it is, they wanted something that would echo and kind of reinforce that effort. 
And what I didn't know, and it makes perfect sense though, is that the other reason, one of the other reasons that they celebrated this partnership was that they look to Rhode Island FC as kind of like a kindred spirit where Breeze Airways is only two or three years old. Like they have not been around a very long time. Wow, I didn't know that. <laughs> right. I, I remember them showing up, but I kind of always thought they had been around and we just kind of, you know, got access to them. They've, they've not been around a very long time. So knowing that they were supporting something that was equally young in its startup mode, that really resonated with the club and with the airline itself. So for them, this was, and, and in their words, this was more of a collective excitement and agreement than it was a negotiation for the two groups. It just made sense for them to partner on it. Uh, I really like to quote from uh, their vice president where Angela said, you know, her job may be to get people to the city and to the stadium, but now it's also to expand soccer awareness I just thought that was such a powerful quote. And, you know, when we talked about, you know, the Providence as a hub itself, they're very in tune now with Boston being a World Cup uh, market and now knowing the games. They know just as much as we do that Providence is going to be a very busy airport in getting people to and fro. So they're excited from that aspect as well that they're going to help kind of land even more attention and awareness to their brands through these soccer relationships. But, you know, we could go on and on about the, the, the partnership itself. I think what's important for listeners to hear, though, is that they did expand on some important details when it comes to what that partnership looks like beyond the kit. So first and foremost, this is not just a name on the front of the jersey and they, they're walking away. This is not just a name on a banner in the stadium or, you know, a poster on on the seats this is this is definitely a more thought out process and while they wouldn't share everything yet they did hint at some things that they've done in other markets specifically sporting markets so they still support other things like minor league baseball um and some other sports so like soccer isn't even their first place that they've started this work but they already have plans to do other things one of the things they do in uh, the Charleston area for their minor league baseball team is they do the seriously nice play of the game. They, they One of their taglines is that they're seriously nice. And I mean, that's... <laughs> nice. See, you just you just got marketed. That's how effective it is. Um, but I, and I don't know if they'll do that, like, you know, the seriously nice play of the game for... I mean, it has a, has a ring to it. Yeah, I think that, I, that works. I think I heard there was going to be a Rhode Island energy like highlight of the game too like your lightning you know i mean that that ties into yeah something like that but but having said that like they want to do things like that with the club so that it's not just again their their logo somewhere they want to embody the spirit of what they can bring to life i think that's really important that they're already they're already looking at that uh in specific ways but then the other thing that i wanted to talk about was when i asked them directly like hey like what does that look like from a marketing perspective Will we see a Rhode Island FC wrapped plane? I don't think they wrap. I, th- I think that would disintegrate in the air. But paint-wise, like, would you see an RIFC plane? And uh, and they didn't say no. They had said that they were considering all things. But, you know, they had to be strategic with their budget because, like Rhode Island FC, they're in startup mode. So they had to identify what makes the most sense. They were excited to use more of Chip and show reels of him interacting with, you know, airline guests and and how their processes work. I wouldn't be surprised if I wouldn't got a job at Breeze in the near future and Chip was just in all the training videos. So <laughs> that's that's well, that's how I envision it. But um but they do and so they intend to do more things like that when it comes to programming 
for their own airline and, and not just what's immediately tied to the stadium. What everyone really wants to know, which is travel plans, like what does the scenario look like? Obviously, Breeze as an announcement came before the schedule came out for the club, right? If you've done your homework, there are some secondary and tertiary markets where Breeze does fly from Providence too. So you've got Tampa, you've got Pittsburgh, you've got um, Charleston, you've got um, technically, I've, I've said this before, San Diego or LA, depending on how you look at it. That serves Monterey Bay. That also serves Orange County. So you have, uh, I'd say, one-fifth of the clubs are immediately represented by uh, directional traffic from Providence. And there's also some other places where the airline flies out of that are close. So, like, you could drive to Hartford, and then there's a direct to Vegas. I didn't realize that. So, like, there are a couple other markets that, with a little bit of drive time, uh, you could get to. Now, having said that, when I asked them this, this, this kind of blew my mind. They are looking at all potential markets when it comes to expansion. One of the most fascinating things that they shared was that they only have 30 aircraft right now in their entire fleet. And that was another thing I didn't realize because like with 30 airline or with 30 airplanes, that's a lot of ground to cover from place to place. They have 80 more on order. So they are trying to expand rapidly to make sure that these kinds of markets are covered from a, you know, day by day basis. What was really important to share is that they are looking closely at what fans in Providence would be looking for to see if markets where it makes sense for us to play other teams. So like I'm thinking Colorado, right? Like how do we easily get to Colorado, San Antonio? How do we get to New Mexico? And I think that Albuquerque is what they're close to or Santa Fe. I don't remember which right now, but like how do we get to those places? So they're looking at market data to understand that. But the most important thing that they've said is that they will not open up any other regional market just simply for the club. There has to be demand. There has to be interest. And when they do open up these markets, people need to be in the planes to fill them. Otherwise, they cannot continue to sustain it. So having said that... Supply and demand. Right. Exactly. Like the, the plane can't be flying three people across the across to you know San Diego, right? What was really important is, is that if you think about that from a data perspective, if they go into these markets, fans need to really consider how they plan their away travel days because those will be the big moments where if we want to support the airline, if we want to support the club, uh, and if we want to get direct access to these markets because nothing is more difficult than trying to fly somewhere and knowing that if you're going out of Providence, you're, you're getting a connecting flight. It, this is one of the big ones for me. When we talked further about the club, we asked this question as well. We said, we asked if they had any direct support logistically to move the team from place to place. Now, there are no private charters. Breeze doesn't have the planes in the air to do that. But Rhode Island FC did uh, confirm that in markets where Breeze is supporting, they will be using the airline to travel to those destinations. In fact, they went on to be quoted as saying, uh, we have and will continue to partner with Breeze when it comes to team travel, which tells me that, you know, obviously they probably used a Breeze flight to head down to to Tampa when they went to go for spring training. So to me, what that says is if you want to do the math on the flights where it's somewhat strategic to go and and travel, you could be on a plane with a bunch of Rhode Island FC uh, players and staff because there's not a lot of flights that come out of of providence right like they're very regional they, they call themselves like a point-to-point -point carrier 
Um, so in that aspect, you will see the players on those types of flights. I'm not saying to go and try to book those, those seats, obviously. In fact, I bet you by the time those flights become available, the club's already reserved the necessary number that they would need. But I am saying that if you do want to show up and you do want to support the airline and continue the relationship, you really want to think about like, where are those markets that I can get to and how would I want to coordinate with other fans to show up in a big way? So look, that's the exciting part of having an airline carrier to begin with. I I just think that this is going to be a, a, a relationship that t- continues to develop year over year. And I should finalize this and say that Breeze did confirm that this is a multi-year deal. They would not give me the number, but they did say we are at least through the end of 2025. So they're definitely capitalizing on the Tidewater landing opening of that stadium, right? Which will capture the additional whatever we miss um, in the in year one. So they're at least two years in their relationship. So expect Breeze on the front of next year's kits as well. I will say they also gave a discount code, which I didn't realize the club had already released because I don't look at ads. But if you are looking at booking a flight, they do have the code GORIFC, all one word, uh, for an additional 10% off of any purchases that you make. If you're looking at for some of the games that are in the back half of the year and, and the, the dates are blocked out, I'm I'm keeping an eye on the September travel to Orange County. Uh, those dates are not available yet because they have algorithms for only every six months. So don't freak out and say, oh, they're not servicing this anymore. Those will probably come online in the next 30 days or so. And then you can book accordingly. So I, I just, I'm just really excited. You know, I'll probably be going, where would you go? If you could choose any place right now, where would you fly to, to, to watch a game? Um, you said they service Colorado, maybe. No, that's see. that one. That's one they need to do. Oh, okay. It's, uh, it's Charleston, Tampa, Miami, technically New York, but out of a different market, technically Vegas, but out of Hartford, um, Pittsburgh and San Diego, LA. Probably Florida. You know, to check that out. You want to become a Florida man? I respect it. <laughs> Just see what my potential is. Should we get to the stuff that people... They didn't want to hear about Breeze. They didn't want to hear about Open Cup. They want to know about the score results of the announced game and the to-be-determined game that was behind closed doors. That's what listeners really want to hear, right? <laughs> exactly. So, Jason, what if I told you that that to-be-determined game at the to-be-determined location... That was a closed door scrimmage. What if I told you the score result was nil nil? What would you what would you what would you ask me right away about that? Did they tell you it was nil nil or is it to be determined to be determined? No, they told me the score was nil nil. I don't know. It's it's hard to read into that. But do do you want to ask me one more important question? Yeah. What if you were to ask me why was it nil nil? Was it canceled? <laughs> yeah, so uh it wasn't canceled, but the game didn't take place. Oh. So that's like a technicality. You know, that's an asterisk. Divide by zero. Yeah, exactly. The universe explodes. So, yeah, so the game was supposed to happen, but I think because of the logistics and getting teams together, as they're all trying to coordinate a lot of different schedules, for whatever reason, uh, this game uh, just did not take the... It didn't take shape. Messi just couldn't make it. (laughs) Right. We didn't actually talk about the big, big news today. We completely glossed over it. Kylian Mbappe has told President Al Khalifi he's not signing. So, are we going to sign Mbappe? Uh, Mbappe to RAFC? I mean, I do know that there are some signings coming, but I didn't see Kylian Mbappe in the <laughs> in the press release. So, 
That'll be that'll be he a difficult want, one. He wants to be the USL top scorer of all time. He's going to do it in one season. <laughs> Albert Deke was going to be like, why did I sign with this team? Um, but in all seriousness, the, back to the schedule pieces. Yeah, so listen, the club is spending a lot of their time making sure that they get their preseason training and their 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 reps in uh, for that reason. I mean, they you heard it in the last interview. They have been, I wouldn't say struggling, but they've been trying to make the most of outdoor practice and in the spaces that they've been just with the incremental weather. So, you know, not having this game is not a total loss. If anything, it gives, it gives, it gave coach more time to gel the team in ways that mattered. I don't know if this game has or intends to be played in a different capacity before they uh, return home to Rhode Island and then get ready and prepared to travel to, to Bermuda. But what I can say is, is that it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, if the club felt like they needed to put another team out there, there are plenty of other soccer organizations pre-seasoning down there. Pre-seasoning sounds like something you do to a piece of meat in a barbecue. Um, <laughs> but there are tons of other clubs that are in their preseason down there. And uh, that should have that, that could have been easily manifested. So I wouldn't take that as any kind of concern. But we do know that they did play one other match uh, down in Florida. And that was against the New England Revolution too. So listen, we know exactly what everyone else knows. We know that Rhode Island FC won the game 1-0 off of a goal from Jorge Quizera at the uh, in the 36th minute. And uh, when we kind of looked a little bit more in the details, we know that the the Revs two put together a mostly senior MLS Next Pro roster. So not to confuse it with first team minutes. Um, so it was a mostly senior squad for them. But they also did have a few first-team players sprinkled in, as well as some of their star prospects and a few trialists as well. So this definitely was a team that stacked their talent in the first half, which was also where we saw the first goal for the for Rhode Island FC. So this was not something where you know you exchanged whether or not this happened. We don't even know this for this game, where maybe they changed the starting 11s in both sets. And then it was like your weaker squad on the back half and like a, you know, a garbage time goal got scored. That's not the case here. We scored this goal early in before any kind of exchanges would have happened. Again, it's hard to read into this any more than that. Like is Quizera now because he was in the first session, is he a starter? Like, you know, it, it's, it's so it, it's, this is why you do preseason because it, it doesn't matter, right? Like, I feel like that's, that's the bumper sticker we need, but I want to ask you, does this make us the preseason conquerors of all of New England? Because we've played now every team allegedly in New England. <laughs> I have to say that, right? Uh, and we beat them. So did we win the the preseason cup? New England preseason champions. You'll never sing that. <laughs> <laughs> all jokes aside, I, I think it is important to say one thing about this that I do want to extract upon because we've been speculating uh, in a different direction, and I think it's important to call this out. So, looking at the score lines that have happened of the games so far, we've had a three-one allegedly Hartford, we've had a three-one uh, Orlando City, and we've had a now one-zero against New England Revolution two. I am and I'm excited to say that against the teams that matter we've been talking a lot about goals being this like explosive thing. We're going to see lots of goals for, we're going to see lots of goals against outside of the Orlando city outlier. And again, if we're being honest, we, I think we both agreed it was more of like a two, one game. 
I'm very impressed with the defensive shape of this squad so far. We've 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 put we've put so much effort into talking about like all of the offensive weapon threats we have, and we were talking about there wasn't depth on this team when they offic- they really went down there like we were concerned about. I still don't think we have maybe as much depth as we would want in those spaces, unless coaches using players in other positions outside of what was defined by their signing cards. The defense here has really impressed me so far. Yeah, it's still preseason early, but, you know, considering we've not let in many goals, it is impressive. I I think that's why they went out and got Coke Vegas, you know. No, I I agree. I I just, I guess I steeled myself to expect that, you know, this would be a team that's so new that it would be difficult to, I I guess I don't even know, like, what's, what's harder in the sport of soccer to learn and gel as a team? Is it the... Is it coordinating the offensive threat? Like, because I feel like anyone can take someone one on one and try to score a goal. But I think to have really compact shape and sound defensive tactics, I feel like that's a harder thing to to really get ironed out more so than the the offensive. Because like you you can kick a ball and it just it moves it forward, but to defend and be in the right spots to contain like I feel like defensive shape is a harder thing to get right for a club that didn't exist, you know, 60 days ago. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. I, I would think for, for defenders, the, the thing would be, there are times when you are just watching the game, right. And then all of a sudden quickly, it changes from your team having possession to you being attacked on. So you need to, you know, quote unquote, always be on. Whereas, you know, depending on the style and play of your team, if you're an attacker, you lose the ball, you know, if you're, you know, if you're a pressing team, yeah, you need to get back into position, but some of them are like, ah, okay, I'll casually jog back and hopefully they'll get me the ball back. <laughs> you know, there's not that, that pressure, like all of a sudden, you know, a fullback or a defender, like, you know, you need to, to get back into your shape. You need to, to keep an eye on where the ball's moving. It's like that quick, you know, switch all of a sudden that happens so in the you know having said all that i agree and you know when we talk about reinforcements we've already mentioned that there are two on the way they're already playing with the team they're just not announced as they're going through their period of being you know quote-unquote trialists uh we did talk to the club and i would say you know it comes down to just making sure that they receive the official go-aheads from the league so i would anticipate a double announcement sometime next week but it's really down to when the league gets all of, you know, I'm assuming it's paperwork done so that we can we can get that across the finish line. I guess at that point, I know you know the, the players that are coming over. Is there anywhere left that we are light defensively, offensively, in the midfield, keeper? Like, like is there somewhere that you think we would not be prepared to go into the season with enough depth at this point? The only position maybe I would think we could use a little backup is maybe center back. I know that we do have, um, you know, some flexibility in the squad. I think ultimately we'll probably find it's just, you always worry about injuries, you know? Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, I think that also maybe right back, it really comes down to what Clay Holstead will play. Uh, we haven't heard a lot about him or seen what he's going to be doing. He was a right midfielder in what he was listed as, but he has right back time. So is he Turnbull's depth piece or backup or, 
you know what the intention is when we get some more clarity on on that i think i'd be more comfortable putting that concern to bed but but yeah i would say if anything an additional true center back or right back would probably be the last piece missing um again not being able to talk about what these player signings are so maybe that'll be what's you know anticipated (laughs) for for listeners next week so um all right you ready to jump into some events yeah so um those of you didn't know the uh there was supposed to be a providence brewing meetup um unfortunately that was canceled due to the weather um thanks thanks, snowstorm yeah how dare you (laughs) however we uh there's talk of potentially reschedule if that does happen we'll let you know yeah we've we've heard some interesting rumors over the last couple of days about some things that the club wants to try to get together and do ahead of game one uh i think they i I, if they can pull it off it would be really really great but uh, at this point i think they've just got so much on their plate i'm i'm hesitant to say that it'll get done but if it does expect some fun and exciting news about some things to do as in terms of meetups and if it doesn't get done, well, you never knew about it in the first place, so no harm, no foul. Yeah. However, uh, Defiance 1636 um, is still hosting their fan meetup, and it now has a time, uh, March 2nd at 12 p.m. at the Guild. So, uh, and though for those of you who are part of Defiance, um, we're being told that you can pick up your stuff at the event. We Just, got, We got our stuff. And yeah, we got the stuff. Pretty cool. Like, uh, I'm not gonna lie, they, Irvin and Joe, and the group, they really, they really outdid themselves in terms of the scarf design, and uh, it just, it looks, it feels really great. So, so kudos to you guys. It was really cool to, to get that ahead of time, and um, yeah, no, it's gonna be an awesome event. I will also say, that that same time, it's been confirmed, there will also be a Girl Scout party there at the guild, which is a weird thing to say, like. I didn't know that you could do Girl Scouts at a brewery. Um, that's a question and comment for a, another type of podcast. But uh, when you get the drunk munchies, you just well, buy a bunch so of that's cookies. The thing, right? The guild doesn't have food. Well, guess what? They're going to have a ton of food that day. You're going to get beers and thin mints. Man, that's a that's an expensive <laughs> combination right there. So uh, make sure you uh, you come prepared to be guilt tripped into buying cookies from from little girls. So just be ready for that. So uh, for now, let's move on to listener questions. I'm ready. I'm th- so we got a ton of questions this week, and uh, it's just I think it's the most we've ever had. We it's it's a lot of questions. <laughs> let's just jump right into it here. Uh, so Seth here uh, says he's been loving the podcast and looking forward to starting every Friday with it. Um, it's great to finally have a USL team in New England. Did you catch that? Um, I guess a USL championship, you would say, right? Yeah, but think about it. Okay, yeah, yeah. I was is that is that is that Seth throwing shade, or so, is that Seth omitting? Because I copied this directly from his question, so I don't know if I need it. Seth, you're I gonna have to follow of, up. I was thinking of Vermont Green because Connecticut's not in New England. <laughs> there it is. Have you seen those jerseys? They're so cool. So Seth, follow up question for you next week is. Did you intentionally throw shade at Hartford with that statement, or did you just genuinely forget that Hartford was a team in New England? I just I want to know. I'm not I'm not trying to insult you. I genuinely need to know which direction you took that question for that part. So continue. <laughs> As someone who is in New Hampshire, what are some things uh, that must see or do in Rhode Island? 
he will be there for three games, uh, New Mexico, Detroit, and Hartford. And I was wondering if you guys are still playing and doing interviews with the fans after the game. Thanks for the great pause and keep up the great work. P.S. If you ever want a referee to join your podcast and give you some input, I'd be more than willing to. So my takeaway before I let you answer is you have you have competition now for your job. Be- between this and other people saying that they've had podcast history and experience, you better watch out. You better you better have your ducks oh, in a man. row, Jason. I'm on the chopping block already. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Rhode Island activities must see, must do. What's in your must see, must do? Um, and don't you dare say hot wieners. <laughs> I was gonna lead off with Oneyville, but I guess I can't. <laughs> they need to pay us every time you make that joke. I swear. <laughs> um there's a lot of good pizza here in the area um a lot of good beer um a man of culture i see over here i wasn't prepared i didn't bring my list (laughs) all right i'll 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 jump in and save you i would say seth it it just depends of course on your personality uh i have like this top three list of things to do when um when people come to town and want to get the rhode island experience so to speak uh so one an easy one to do during the summer uh so i think your detroit and hartford games would match up with this obviously go to one of our beaches that's always a great time and if you need the super cool secret hangout spots that i would not be allowed to say on the podcast because rhode islanders would would find me and and make me disappear uh, I can give you those uh, in a DM. But then there's also things like the cliff walks. Uh, it's a little messed up right now because some of the cliff walks fell off of the cliff. Um, that's complicated. But I would recommend that. I would also recommend uh, RISD. So if you're coming in for the weekend, the RISD Museum uh, has a, like, you can go in for free on Sunday. So it's a great cheap way to kind of get some art and culture. Of course, on Saturdays during the summer, water fire is this thing you have to do as like a, a rite of passage in Rhode Island. Um, you only have to ever do it once and then you can say you did do it. Uh, so that's another one, especially like just being downtown. And then I'm a big fan of uh, some of the, the local hiking areas. So the monastery is a great walking trail. So if you have kids or like a dog, something like that, uh, it's a great walking area to to go. And then brewery wise, you know, again, to, to jump on Jason's point, there's so many great breweries here in Rhode Island. Uh, not to take away from New Hampshire. New Hampshire has some excellent ones as well. But uh, I would say Narragansett's my favorite just because of proximity to me and it being on the water. But then I would always give the Guild and uh, Long Live Beer Works my, my number two and three. So uh, definitely if you need a list uh, of places to eat or grab a drink, uh, Jason can handle that department. And if you need activities, <laughs> I got you covered. So. <laughs> um all right so moving on so mike writes in any chance you guys are going to do a live podcast from an away watch party we're not against the idea we we have talked about it there's just a few like logistical and kind of issues maybe we would have to work through mike have you heard any of the interviews we've done with people did you hear all the noise in the background that's what you're gonna get and I'll, I'll tell you this. So in the last episode when we did the the hallway interview and it was super noisy, do you guys know why we had to do that? Because someone was outside banging on some drums <laughs> so we couldn't talk to players outside by the bus. So I won't name names, Defiance 1636. 
but we couldn't interview people because you all were causing a ruckus. So doing it at an away party, I'm not sure anyone would want to hear what that final result is, but we can talk about it. So we'll, we'll find out more. Is, does that line up with, with you? Pretty much. All right. And then Irvin writes in, uh, what would you want from the fan council that RFC has put together? Are there things that you would want to ask for as a better fan experience? Hmm, uh, interesting. I, I think it's good to get fan input, but you also want to get measured output. So it would be important to find someone who can give you a straight take, but also kind of understand that at the end of the day, this is you know, while it is a soccer team, there there's like the business aspect to it too, where you can't just go up to them and say, I want free tickets, you know, like the dumb things like that. Um, what I would like is, is maybe just for them to check input in terms of like what concessions, events, and like the, the, you know, for lack of a better term, the experience, like they said is, and kind of dive into some of those and, maybe poll not only just like the council, but then reach out to the fans and kind of see what is it that the people want and what can they do to try and meet those, you know, wants and needs. The only thing I want is enough facilities and concessions that there aren't long lines when I'm trying to purchase something or use the bathroom. That's the only two things I care about. If I want, if I want to be in and out of any any kind of thing that's that's what i want i don't want to wait in a line yeah if you want to get a hot dog or a beer or something you don't have to wait want to wait 15 minutes for it yeah yeah so that'll be that'll be on my expectations we will say that the first actual fan council session took place while we were recording today so that is something that is that has just happened and i'll be curious in the what the discussion in the weeks and days to come looks like i wonder if the club will give any kind of update on the outcome of that. I wonder if we'll have to track down who those fan council elect are and and get information from them. Do you, do you think there will be transparency from the club on this? Um maybe not from all the details, but I imagine um like the outcome. You know, we we won't see how the sausage is made. We'll just we'll just see the sausage. Antonio here wants to know has the popularity of Ted Lasso Rob McElhenney slash Ryan Reynolds buying Wrexham brought more positive attention slash fans to the team or soccer as a whole. 100%. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, how to exactly quantify that? We don't have that type of data. How many Wrexham jerseys have sold out? That's, That's how you quantify it. And then you say before that, how many did not sell out, right? Listen, at the end of the day, this these two TV shows have done more for soccer culture in America than the last two men's World Cups combined. And that's because if you were keeping score, we didn't play in the 2018 World Cup. <laughs> um, but in all fairness, you know, these, these shows are highlighting the best parts of what it means to be a soccer fan. Um, you know, I, I watched Ted Lasso and I still to this day, it, it was a it was a show about character development and and growth in men and women with just soccer accents it was not a soccer show it was just a show about people it revolved around the sport of soccer uh and then ryan reynolds and rob McElhenney with wrexham that that is just a like 
that's just a fairy tale story right now. In fact, I will go so far as to say we have a question ready for Brett Johnson, which we are close to getting that interview, by the way, not to not to get too far ahead, but we we are close to, to sitting down with Brett and getting to uh, just talk about things because Brett has Brett has been not MIA, but Brett has, you know, not been the focal point of a lot of conversation as of late. Right. It's been the technical staff. It's been the players. It's been. Uh, everything else going like Brett's kind of like put everything in motion and now he's sitting back like us and watching so we're gonna we're gonna get some time to catch up with Brett but Brett's story is much more akin to the Wrexham story than I think people know and need to give him credit uh, he is a he's a part owner and um, works with the, the the management group that oversees uh, Ipswich Town which are in the championship league for the EFL and they are knocking on the door of the premiership right now and that's exactly the same story of what Rob and Ryan are trying to do with Wrexham. So, if anything, like if you want to, if you want to have some sort of acclimation to something that's happening in Hollywood, where he's doing the same thing with one of the other clubs that he owns. So that's 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 going to be a fascinating uh, storyline to to kind of unpack and, and unwind when we get a chance to talk to him. Tim here wants to know what's your strategy going to be for match days on the Club Collector app rarest card or player you think will break out the game i mean it's got to be so if everyone plays i look at like fantasy football now in the efl and everyone has uh holland on their their team right you just you can't not take the chance if he's if he's game match fit you're putting him in your in your deck yeah so strikers are probably going to be the ones so you know you look at you know chico and jj williams probably i guess i would say well so here's the thing I would go Dark Horse, though. So as long as Craig's system for the app allows me to lock in at the start of the whistle so I can see the starting 11, <laughs> I'll pick, like, if it's if it's Noah Fusan, I'm putting Fusan on there, right? Like, I will go Dark Horse just to see if I can beat the the people who put JJ and, and Chico on every yeah. game. Going but the easy strategy. But if I have to lock in, like, at midnight the night before, not knowing, because, again, Coach even he said multiple times i have so many threat choices to use per game now like i think one of the hardest things for us to be doing this year is going to be speculating two days in advance what the starting 11 will look like <laughs> i think that i honestly think that will be harder to predict than outcomes and game performance like match score lines i it, it's going to be a very tough job so that just depends on how the app locks in but i would prefer to go dark horse tim all right, another one here from Tim. Any further details on the Nessun broadcast? And assuming they announce the league's final broadcast partner um, before you record, what do you think of the deal, both as a broadcast and financial deal for the league terms? So we have heard strong rumblings uh, that it is ESPN+. Plus. Uh, we've been hearing it from multiple sources so that it is a continuation of that partnership. Um, so having said that, that's what Nesson has needed to be able to bring together the requirements for their broadcast schedule. We have gotten some updates from the club that they are working out the final requirements because they need to know what games they're not to be covering based on the CBS coverage or uh, what ESPN plus will be covering again. Um, So that is an interesting piece, but then they have announced that they will be covering a select number of away games as well. Now, we don't know what that will look like in terms of if it's like the most immediate uh, areas geographically or regionally 
or if that's something where they want to look at the biggest markets that uh, will draw the biggest, you know, fan ratings, or if it's something where it just comes down to schedule purposes, because remember, Nesson has to work through uh, other sports that are on their network, right? So the Red Sox, the Bruins, um, and I think there's also a partnership with, there's another team out there uh, that they have to work through that has their schedule of, of contracted up, up obligated contracts to put their 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 matches on on tv so we may just be working around like what available slots there are and it has nothing to do with the competitiveness of the game but nesson will be covering that that being said honestly at this point if nesson's not covering all of the games it makes it really difficult for a fan to say which which apps am i going to support I, I think if it is ESPN Plus, that's probably just the best way to go because you're going to get that other 80% of games. But I, again, I don't know. Like I, I, it's a t- it's a tough decision to make at this time because no matter what, the fact that you need multiple apps, I think, is a little uh, alienating to fans. I, I think that's not the best way they could have done this. But in terms of what the league needs to not just be stable from a financial perspective, but also to get more main broadcast time the CBS deal couldn't be ignored, right? I, I think it's less about the finance impact and I think it's more about how do we get our game in front of more viewers. Locally here with Rhode Island, we're going to do that with Nesson, so that's where we're ahead of the curve. But from an entire league perspective, you needed the CBS package. So I, I think a dream state would be CBS looks at the numbers and says maybe we can just buy everything and run the entire thing in a year or two. Um, but it'll come down to what ESPN's broadcast contract is. If it's multi-year, then we kick this can further down the road. Yeah, someone who already has ESPN Plus and CBS to watch other soccer, I mean, for me, it's fine. But for fans who are looking just to get RAFC, you would hope that for for those fans, there would be just one single option. But unfortunately, I don't know if that's going to happen. Maybe in the years to come. All right, and then Eric asks, any ideas or nominations for an unofficial nickname for Rhode Island FC? Arsenal is the Gunners, Atlanta United are the Five Stripes. What nicknames are going through your mind over there, Jason? Well, it would have to be something um, kind of regional, right? Um, That kind of plays on who we are, you know. So I don't know. Some 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 form of sailors or something or salty, salty sailors, salty sailors. There I don't go. know. Anchor anchormen. Oh, I like that. Would it be actual anchormen or would it be men carrying anchors? Men carrying anchors, okay, but also broadcasting the news. Yeah, I love they're it. like dual wielding. I, that needs to be a personality at the games. <laughs> is Ron Burgundy just blowing the shell all the time? That needs to happen. Uh, I haven't thought of any names. I do know that someone um, who will be on a special episode next week of the podcast, uh, I know that he has a nickname because he bought the domain rights to it. So I will not steal his thunder, um, but I have not thought of anything yet. I, I don't, I mean, the anchors is, you know, the anchorman is fine with me, although I'm sure that someone can come up with something better. So I, I'll push that question back on you, Eric, and I'll push it back on the rest of the listeners. What nickname do you want to hear for for Rhode Island FC? What what are some ideas coming through your head? But listen, it's we've been running long. It's time to go. We we answered yeah, too many questions. We talked too long. 
We talked so little about soccer and so much about everything else. I'm getting concerned we have to change the the topical grouping of what this podcast represents on like Apple and Spotify. Is there a nonsense topic? <laughs> <laughs> probably. Probably. We gotta we gotta start getting access to those games. And speaking of, we are working on getting access to the Providence uh college game so that we can be on site uh to report the game and the, the conditions there. So more to come on that space. And then we do have some amazing interviews coming up soon. So we've got Brian Kim, we've got Paul Byrne, we've got Brett Johnson, uh, and we've got a couple of others that we're really looking forward to bringing to listeners. So stay tuned to that in the uh, in the near future. All right. I guess that means it's time to wrap it up here, guys. If you want to catch us on the internet, you can find us on Twitter, Threads, and TikTok at RFC Podcast. We have an Instagram at Raising Anchor. And there's that website, www.raisinganchorpodcast.com. Thanks again for everyone for the 10,000 plus listens. Looking forward to 10,000 more. And uh, Anchor's up. We'll get there in no time. <laughs> Anchor's up. <laughs>